Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. This story episode, we are going back to high school. I don't know about that. Okay, maybe we're not. But we do have a special guest to help us with this story episode. We do. The big time Jeremy Jackson from the Sports Sports Medicine Medicine Broadcast. Broadcast. Yes, he will be co-hosting as we share some of uh, our secondary school stories. We have some stories about working with multiple sports, some random injuries, some things that only happen at the high school setting. I was going to say, a lot of these really just like, you're probably only going (laughs) to see this in the high school, which keeps it fresh. And I think one of my favorite parts is... At near the end, we get into why athletic trainers love the high school setting, Absolutely. especially when they don't expect to. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm just actually going to start us off with a story. And this one's from Sarah Y. She said, I love being at the high school because we have kids that are playing for the love of the game. The schools I've worked for have not had an athletic trainer in the past, and the parents were always appreciative. They didn't hesitate to ask me anything because their kids were my kids. I get to see boys and girls grow into young men and women. I am a safe space they can come to at any time. I tell everyone I am a 24-7 athletic trainer, not a 2-7 athletic (laughs) trainer. That's a good way of putting it. That's awesome. And and it really touches on what we're going to talk about is, you know, building relationships. Right. So why don't we just jump right in? Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So I had a, a, a soccer player come in and, you know, where I work, it's predominantly Hispanic. And so the kid had limited English skills and luckily one of his teammates was in there at the same time and he had a, a cut on his foot and so he took the bandage off and I was like, man, what? it smells like gasoline or or some sort of fuel. I was like, what did you put on there? And like, so they were asking him and they didn't really know and they're just like, yeah, something in a in a bottle, or I don't know, brown, I was like, was it this stuff? And like pointed to the hydrogen peroxide and he's like, I don't know. So, so I'm not exactly sure what he had on there, but it smelled like like gasoline or um, kerosene or something like that that he had put on a cut to clean the puncture wound. And I, I just, I don't know, secondary schools. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I feel like when, like, especially like in a public school system, like you get so many, di- like a diverse population, different backgrounds, different cultures. So you can get exposed to a lot of, a lot of different ideas. I wonder if that was his idea or if it was like a, like, where did he even get that? I'm thinking it has to be cultural because the, the, his teammates didn't seem shocked Mm. that like gasoline, you know, they didn't seem like, kind of like they knew what he was doing. So I'm sure it has to do something Mm. with, you know, that came from his mom or dad or whatever. So, man, I can't imagine how much that would sting. Yeah. So we just kind of wash it off and okay, well, here, let's put some stuff on there and go from there. I don't think he ever came back in. I don't know. I just. Well, he was all right, I hope. <laughs> Do you get that a lot where I know at the secondary school setting, when I was working there, I'd see some kids who were like frequent flyers. And then sometimes I'd see kids once because they wanted to get out of practice and then never again. Okay. All right. So that's definitely. You... We have some kids that are in there every day, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, freshman athletes who I've seen more than my senior athletes that have played all four years and we're only, you know, three quarters of the way through the first year. They just, 
it's an, if it's not their shoulder, then it's a cut or their ankle or, you know, they're, they're sore, they're tired. So yes, you definitely get those kids. But then I have this, you know, a couple of kids, one kid that's sticking out is, um, had surgery from an injury that happened outside of school. And this athlete will come in for like a week and do rehab and then be absent for like three weeks. I'm like, Hey, you have to come in all the time. I've emailed the parents. I've told the coach, like, you have to come in all the time because that's why the doctor said you're not released. Mm -hmm. Just come in, come in, just come in and do the work. And so I, I don't, I don't know what the thought is. I mean, I see her going up the elevator to the locker room, but not coming into the athletic training facility. And it's like, why? So, you know, I see the people in the college are talking about, you know, having to get there and do all these treatments every day. And it may be different. It's different in uh, some settings. And so in my, my school, it's a lower income high school that isn't like, there's not a whole lot of parental support and it's, it's highly Hispanic, which is a a culture that tends to not be on time. Like it's time is kind of relevant. So they may show up an hour late, but then they'll stay four hours long, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and, and so getting to school on time isn't necessarily a super important thing. Whereas me as a white guy, you know, I was always, okay, I'm always there on time. And that's not, you know, to be like stepping on toes, but in general, this is what, you know, my students have told me and that's what I've learned. And so being there in the morning or on time just, just doesn't happen. <clears throat> so like we don't have morning treatments and I've, this is my 15th year at the school that I work at. And I probably had less than a hundred kids, the whole 15 years come in for before school oh, treatment wow. times. Yeah. And so some, some schools that I know they'll have, you know, 40 kids in the morning before school almost oh, every wow. day. And so, so that's, that's just, it's completely different from school to school is when you, when you have kids show up and not show up and definitely have the frequent flyers versus the non-showers. So I get what you're saying with the, like the kids who just like won't show up, like who like show up for maybe a few times and they're like gone. Cause like, even though I'm in the university setting, our setting, like our campus is very weird. Like not everything's off campus. So we don't have our own facilities. So for kids to come go get treatment in the athletic training room, like it's a commitment, like they are driving there. So like, I get that frustration. You're like, I'm just trying to help. Just, I want to help you. So no, I get that. So tell me a little bit more about that. If you don't mind, it's off campus. So we don't have a traditional campus. Like you would think at most universities, we're kind of based in a, like a business park. So our athletic training room is like, just kind of like one of the business buildings. So or like a warehouse. Yeah, like a warehouse. A warehouse, not like. <laughs> but it's uh <laughs> we don't have any athletic facilities of our own. So we have to use a lot of community-based ones. So like we use like a, a local like a giant park. Um there's a basketball facility we'll use. Um so or like we'll use a community college, like something that's all the kids have to drive to practice or um after they go to practice, if they want treatment, then they have to drive over to the warehouse. So it's a lot of driving for the kids. So it's kind of like that big commitment to be like, oh, well, I'm at point A. Now I need to go to point C. But like point B is like way over here. So it's almost like you really have to commit to coming in. 
That's really weird. Yes. <laughs> I know some of the high school, like a uh, high school that's almost just across the street from us. Um, the, the, they have, I think, 15 high schools in that district. And I think three of them have athletic trainers. And then they have like four or five stadiums where they have an athletic trainer employed at the stadium. And so it's kind of the same thing is where if a kid wants something, they have to go over to the stadium to see that athletic trainer. And then the athletic trainer obviously has limited interaction, limited experience with that kid. And, and you know, I've seen them, the athletic trainer say, okay, you only get three kids taped before a varsity football game because you know everybody like oh there's somebody there i want to get tape well they'll have to say okay coach you only get three kids that's all that's all the tape that we allot for your team for a whole year kind of thing and so it's it's definitely just completely different because at mine we have two athletic trainers full-time on campus and we only teach sports medicine and so it's not like i'm in biology all day and then just doing this Mm -hmm. after school like some parts of the country um and so it's that's really interesting that you don't have even your own athletic facilities. So yes, it has been a challenge. <laughs> every, every day is a road game, whether it's practice or an actual game. <laughs> so that kind of leads us in. We got a, two stories about working with multiple sports and some people have um, like basically how they rotate through events because at the high school and with you too, like at the high school, um, there's so much going on at once. It's like, it's not just like basketball ends at five and then volleyball starts right after that. Right. Sometimes things like overlap. Um, so Nick said, I tend to rotate between events. I spend a set with volleyball and inning with baseball and inning of softball, et cetera. And I keep my headphone in case a coach calls me to their court or field. For the most part, the only field that is off campus is softball and they play across the street at the local park. Oh, nice. And then we also have from Marissa S. She says, I have a written EAP of the priority of sports and each season has a clear hierarchy of risk levels. So coaches and athletes know which sport I'll be at wherever there is a game. Minor injuries come to me and injuries where the kid can't walk over to me. They call and I run over to them. My favorite method is keeping my med kit and ice chest in the back of a cart and then I can drive over to whatever sport needs me. But I don't have my own cart. I have to share with all of the sports. So sometimes it's awkward when there's an injury and I have to decide what to carry over there. <laughs> That's interesting. She has an, a hierarchy of sports and I wonder how that conversation mm-hmm. went. Um, just, just thinking about how it would go in our school is, and if I, well, I mean, most of us are going to say football mm-hmm. is going to be the priority right. because it's a collision right. sport, but then how do you say, okay, well, I'm going to go with boy soccer is priority over girl soccer or baseball or softball or track. They're all going on at the same time. But I guess ours is similar in, at least on on my campus at high school. Um, We play pretty much all of our soccer, baseball, softball. And now since our track is busted, track meets off campus. Mm. Right. And so if it's an event, then we have to go to it. And within our district, there's uh, 12 athletic trainers to cover all the high school events. Um, and so if we're off campus, we say we're playing at the stadium for soccer, it may be another school's playing before us. And so they cover their game and our game. And then I cover their game and our game at the, the mm-hmm. JV games, that kind okay. of thing. And so we work it out pretty well, but knowing like you're talking about off campus, um, my friend, Sean Reedy works in San Antonio and it, they go, they drive an hour or whatever, um, or more to, Cause it's like the outreach set mm-hmm. outreach type thing working in the secondary settings. And it's just that same thing. It's what do I take? What, what do I prioritize? And, and how do I get there? 
uh, you know, the facilities are always different. So for me, it's pretty easy because I'm, you know, I know my stuff. I'm, I know our place and I just, I can't imagine establishing the hierarchy and saying, all right, sorry, I'm going to be here. Right. Yeah, for sure. I feel like most high schools out here have one athletic trainer. Yeah. And if we're lucky, they get one full-time athletic trainer. Yeah, that's Most true. Most of the too. time, it's mm-hmm. like a part time. Yeah, it comes in or, the afternoon right. for like all the practices. And then the high school that I was at, I was the first. Well, they had athletic trainers for f- football, maybe. Maybe some of the other sports. I'm not sure. Well, not just not just your football <laughs> that you're thinking. It was eight man football. Eight man football. <laughs> so it was only for games and and um before me and it was just someone random each week. Mm-hmm. So I was the first consistent that yeah. they had, I believe. I was the first to actually implement clinic hours, and so that was also where uh, where was your clinic, by the way. It would change every day. They didn't have a space. So because it it was also the uh, school that was, they were building it. Mm -hmm. And so there were lots of portable buildings. And so one time I was in the principal's office. One time I was in like kind of like cafeteria area. But most of the time I'd be in this like one storage room that was actually pretty big. Um, But all I like I had to bring everything. So like Mm -hmm. I had my table and I had my med kit. And all of my rehab stuff that I could like pack in my bed kit, I would. And that was like how I would do every week. I would come in and I'd bring everything. And like there was like Christmas decorations off in the corner. And, you know, we just kind of move that over and kind (laughs) of use whatever I could. Um, But yeah, adapting to that. That's kind of uh, we were kind of like jump starting with what I had. See, whenever... I so I work in the same school district that I went to, and so going to school, we had one one full time athletic trainer, and then one that was, um, I think, outreach, and then they eventually or they quickly moved to two full time on campus um, at some point after I graduated, and so I I don't even really ever know because we always had an athletic training facility, and you know I, it was not a great facility when I was there, but it was a this is it. This is your room. This is where we do everything. So I don't even have any experience with it being like that, but not like having to change rooms every day seems really, really odd. Have you, have you encountered anybody else that has that? Um, I don't think not so. that, not to my knowledge, but what's really cool is like, even though like that isn't ideal and like moving rooms or not having a set space, you know, or not having enough supplies where it's literally just what you bring, you still have, like, you made a really big impact on those kids. And, like, I think that's the importance of, you know, the value that an athletic trainer brings, especially in the high school, is even if the conditions aren't the most perfect, we're still having a huge impact on these kids. Well, and it was enough that they were bringing, um, I had a meeting with them before I moved, and they they were trying to bring on um, either me full-time or they were trying to open a full-time position yeah. and they were trying to open a clinic. And so I had, I got to give a little input on what like a clinic space would, should look like. Um, they ended up not having enough funds for full-time. I think they didn't like realize what that <laughs> entails. Um, I don't know where they're at now. I haven't really checked back, but I also live very far away from them now. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a couple of people who 
did share about their clinic space. Um, Christina S. said, I am currently in what I like to call my dungeon, a small little room that has two treatment tables located in the boys' locker room with a small window of hope on one wall near the ceiling. Luckily, my new room is being created as we speak and is supposed to be 600 square feet with three treatment tables and two taping tables. Uh, well, I was about to say like, oh, awesome. They have a, a window, but I guess it's a... Uh near the ceiling so i guess it's not as uh not as not as so, glamorous I, I guess you I guess you got to follow up with christina and see she's working she's a female athletic trainer i'm guessing by the name working in a high school boys locker room all day like how does that work is there like a, do- a side door out i mean and then what do you do for the girls is it uh yeah like how do they boys only school yeah that's true i don't know i don't Ooh, that's weird. Yeah. Luckily, she's getting out of there. She's they're moving. They're hopefully, upgrading. they're they're moving her new room out of the locker room. And hopefully, more than one window. Yeah, windows are nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if you guys have seen. We we just recently we switched rooms, and then they just recently put a doorway in between the two, and so we had what was essentially like a a hallway space, and then. We moved everything to someone that was like two and a half times that space. So we had a lot of space. And then we were using the other one for uh, nice. storage. And it had the ice machine and the water bottles and all that stuff. But we'd have to go out and around. And so they put a doorway in. So now it's it's super nice. I mean, we don't have any windows. But it's <laughs> just a huge upgrade. And, um, you know, honestly, it was one of those things where we just we said, hey, we're going to do this on this date. If there's a problem with it, then let us know. You know, instead of just saying, hey, can we do this? We're just saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. Here's why we want to do it. We're going to we're going to do this on this date. Let us know before then. And then, you know, probably twice before we actually moved. Say, okay, hey, this is what we're going to do. Do you see any reasons? I haven't heard from anybody. And then they we, we, we made that move. And then I just said, hey, we don't have a sink in here. Can we just have somebody come out and see what it would cost to put a sink in? And then they end up, you know what? It'd be easier to just punch a hole in this wall than it would be to run new plumbing. So, okay, that's even better. You know, I think if I had asked for them to put a hole in the wall, then they wouldn't have, but asked for this and they just came in and did it. And so our, our space has really improved over the last, this school year. So I can't imagine being inside a boy's locker room all the time. Poor Christina. <laughs> the smells, the he- smells that probably come out of there. <laughs> especially high school all that axe spray oh goodness yes the axe spray um that's really awesome that that you're you've got some support behind you and that you know how to advocate something like that or get in trouble (laughs) just do it and don't ask because i i feel like that's half the battle is advocating for yourself Uh, We got another clinic space one. So Nick said, I'm using the old football team locker room, which isn't bad, but the layout doesn't allow me to do too much. If I could change anything, I would want an actual space that was designed to be an AT clinic. Fair. So, and again, though, the old football locker room Mm -hmm. is that, I guess I'm just picturing ours, but does that empty into a hallway? Because ours, you have to go, go from the hallway into all the boys' locker rooms and the football is just one piece of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that is just one common hallway than the football locker room empties into. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know even where Nick practices. Like, Yeah. Because I remember the one 
because uh, I had a, two high school rotations as a student, but like the first one, I was only there for a little bit. It was very quick. Um, but the other one, their like football locker room was actually in the stadium. Oh, wow. So um, it would just open up to just open air. So like you said, like I'm picturing that like, oh, that's that, I mean, that's a different. So, yeah, I guess it, it definitely goes off of your experience, which ones what rooms you've kind of seen or what football locker rooms you've seen. So Randy, with yours being in a warehouse, does that, is that like a pretty established space? I mean, it seems like if it's in a warehouse, you should have a good square footage. We definitely have a lot of space to do things. Um, it's also shared. It's like, it's, it's shared with like what we would use as the weight room. Um, so we definitely have access to a lot of different stuff for rehab equipment, which that has been a positive. Like, you know, you can only do so much like in the clinic with rehab. So having access to like weight machines and like Olympic bars and all that has been really huge. So we can't complain about the space for sure. It's just it's not the most ideal private space. And it's not it's not what you would look at and you walk in like, yes, this is a healthcare facility. Well, there's also like on the when you first walk in, you you go into the, like the third of the warehouse that is actually the quote unquote athletic training clinic. <laughs> and then if you look to the left, there's like a kind of a basketball court. Yes. Like a half court. It's where, like a half basketball court. Like that's where kind of the privacy issues come in. And then if you go to the back of the warehouse, there's like a, the law building. Yeah. So we share because like our university acquired a law school. So they're now a part of that campus and we don't have walls. So like law students or like the law faculty just walk in and out of that warehouse all day. So it's like, well, they're really not supposed to like be seeing this stuff. So that's kind of where, where a lot of our battles have been. So, so they haven't put up temporary walls between the law school. Like, like they could seriously be having law student class while someone's shooting hoops while you're doing athletic training rehab and stuff. That has kind of come up um there's like big curtains there's, like really really like from the warehouse there's like curtains because they have like in the warehouse for the law students they have like an area for them to sit and they like put up curtains and stuff mm-hmm. but like it's curtains and it's not like i think it's it's more like a break space right yeah it's, it's a break like space a... but like just on the other side of the wall because the warehouse backs to the building there are the classes i haven't heard anyone complaining about like when people are lifting with the music or you know, bouncing a basketball. It drives me nuts because I'm, I can't even listen. Like I can't hear my athletes sometimes when I'm talking to them. So I'm like, yeah, we need to, we need to leave this space. All I hear are bouncing basketballs. All right. So where y'all are from, do y'all have drill teams like dance teams that are part of the school? Uh, yes. Yeah. So our athletic training facility is on the first floor and on the second floor right above us is the dance team. And so, all, you know, all throughout the day, you'll hear thunder, but it's really just them jumping and landing <laughs> oh on the floor, gosh. right? And so then uh, on one wall, it backs up to the varsity football locker room. And so if it's, you know, during the period, they got their music blaring or they're banging <laughs> on the wall, boom, 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 that kind of thing. And so just thinking about the the facility and the noise. So, I mean, it's definitely not inside of a boy's <laughs> locker room or a girl's locker room at that, right? But, you know, there's just those those small things. And I don't know, like I said, I'm here in Texas and most people listening probably know Texas is, I guess, the promised land for athletic (laughs) trainers. Um, Whereas 
you know, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm full-time only athletic training. There's lots of athletic trainers in Texas that don't teach at all. They just do the athletic training stuff. Uh, they're implied, employed by the school to do that. And so it's sometimes hard to relate, but I'm so thankful that for like the social media, because that's where I learned that people teach during the day and do athletic training, or they only show up at two o'clock to do sports for athletic training, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just a completely different situation than what, I, what I'm used to. You know, I'm glad you brought up the uh, like the cheer team and stuff above you because where I was a grad assistant, we had in our athletic training room above us was like um, it was a weight lab. So it was a weight room, but it was only really used by either the strength grad students or like classes. But every now and then, the, probably around the afternoon, you would hear the weights dropping. So random, you hear be like, you're like, oh, no, it's just the weights. We're OK. <laughs> So I feel right. that. <laughs> In my grad program, we were mostly based out of this um, one building that was right next, like literally right next to the train tracks. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> it wouldn't be bad for most of the time, except like, um, you know, maybe once a week, I want to say during class, uh-huh. there would be a train that just like goes by and they're they're. They're commuter trains, so they're not that long, but they're definitely loud. And so we'd it'd shake the building and we'd have to just like sit and wait. Okay, now we can continue because we can actually hear. That's pretty funny. And it would make us late to class too, because oh, yeah, if you crossing. if you're if you're um trying to get to class and then the train's coming, you have to sit and wait for about four minutes while the train passes, and then you can go to class. So usually <laughs> like either you're on time or you're four minutes late. <laughs> all right so we have a couple of random injuries that people submitted from the high school setting we have one audio story so i'm going to pull that up so while you're pulling that up i'm going to say like our athletic training facility is across the street so there's like a three-lane street so there's actually a bridge to where our outdoor facilities are um and so luckily we have like a weight room over there that we can keep uh coolers and all that kind of stuff but it's kind of a pain if somebody's injured you know you have to go either up the bridge or try and cross three lanes of traffic it's not like a freeway but it's it's a one-way three three lane road uh and so if you get a kid injured you're like all right well let's hobble you across the street down you know down the steps across the street (laughs) over to the athletic training room so yeah placement of the athletic training facility is is pretty important but all right go ahead let's hear your story from jordan oh big time you know there was there's this one um I went to a high school. It was actually my high school. My high school, we didn't have an athletic trainer um, until I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. So I went back um, because it was actually one of Randy's classmates. Yeah. And I went back to see um, kind of their space. It was like great. I mean, the space was little, um, but their the placement of it, like it was one, one door opened to the football practice field and then the other door opened to the pool deck. And so it was just like so central. And the gym wasn't too far. The gym was right behind uh, the clinic. And so was the uh, soccer field on the other side. And so literally like the placement of it couldn't have been better. Centrally located. Seriously. (laughs) And you get lots of sun. So with the doors open. All right. I'm going to play Jordan's story. One of my faves though. um, I can definitely think of more. But this one I always... Just, I don't know, it makes me laugh. So I had a kid who just kept getting pneumonias. 
It'd be out. They treat it. You get better. You come back. You get another one out, back. Finally, they took a chest X-ray. Um, he was a freshman at the time, and this had been going on for like over a year. He never developed his right lungs, so none of the lobes in the right developed. So, it, like from birth, so his left side, his left lobes, just over compensated because they had to and they got really big and strong and actually like shifted his like mediastinal structures over so his heart was like more midline like under the sternum almost um yeah and then he just had like a never developed lung on the right like a little nub uh, got cut off i got cut off so they um he had a little nub on the right, so they went in and did surgery to take out the vestigial lung. And then I was like, he wants to come back and play sports. So we have to, like, figure this out. So I kind of applied, like, the paired organ rule. Even though, like, obviously he was fine with one lung. So then I had to have um, his parents and a surgeon, like, clear him for all sports or whatever. Um, but they like were weird about it. I was like, if he ever doesn't, you know, has difficulty breathing, I'm immediately calling an ambulance. But um, he asked me one day, he was like, since I'm really fast with one lung, um, if I were to get a lung transplant and get a second lung, would that make me even faster? <laughs> and I just like shaked my head and I was like, oh my god, no. <laughs> That's great. That is so random. I feel like with high school, I mean, you get physicals before then, but like physicals to clear you for sport, I feel like there are a lot, I've heard of a lot of athletic trainers who kind of like kids have learned things that they didn't know about themselves through the physicals that they need to get cleared for sports. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, especially because I'm sure that's probably one of the first times they're actually maybe going to the doctor, like, or getting looked at in that kind of in-depth way. Right. Do you guys have a team doc, Jeremy? Yeah, so here we partner with a with a hospital, and ours is Houston Methodist, and so we we do have a team doc. It's not like they're right across the street or something like that, but um, you know our hospital organization is really good. They do have somewhere like a clinic that's I don't know maybe ten fifteen minutes from the school, and so we definitely have the team doc. Um, I was I was thinking along those same lines of. Um, I'm sure you guys have gotten the same question. What's the worst injury you've ever seen? So for me, it's always, well, I, I had a kid die, right? And then it's like, oh, because then they're like, yeah, they just want to hear some gruesome story. I'm like, I, I watched a kid die. And so for you guys, what's the worst injury you've ever seen? It's nothing compared to that. Yeah. I think th- I I always answer this in two different ways because there was one that scared me before I was an athletic training student and I kind of realized like, oh, this is what I'm getting into. This is what I'm responsible for. And then one that um, was just the first 911 call I had as a student. Um, luckily certified, I haven't really had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the first one when I was an observation student so I wasn't even in a program yet. Um, we had a football player who went in at the college and he, I think he had gotten 
a head injury and he probably didn't tell anyone. And then um, he just kept playing and he had a second impact. And then he was stumbling, um, couldn't really talk, I think, at first. And then initially um, when I didn't see him actually initially at first, but then on the van ride home, we took him with us so we could monitor him. And he literally had a 10 second memory, 10 second, memory, 10 second memory. And I think that at that point, like I it, beyond musculoskeletal, like this is brain, like this kid didn't remember, um, what had happened. He didn't remember. He kept asking if he was still dating his girlfriend. Um, he kept asking if he was still like, you know, like things that he didn't know about himself. Like, I think that was just crazy to see that. And that really scared me as like a, as an observation student, like not even knowing anything about, um, you know, the bot, we didn't, I didn't take any athletic training classes back then or anything. So (laughs) that was like, Oh, I'm going to be responsible for that for that one day. (laughs) And then my first 911 call was, um, uh, another football player. He took a late hit on off to the sideline and it was, um, like a someone came in from behind really low and they actually um, we thought he had dislocated his patella but what we were feeling was actually his fibula that had shifted forward so mm-hmm. he dislocated his fibula um, and he fractured his tibial plateau um, and then and he was just like in so much pain I don't think I've seen one person who is in more pain than this kid ever like this kid was in a lot of pain he was like screaming profanities and um he apologized afterward but like <laughs> totally like i would probably do the same thing if i was in his position and he had lost a scholarship yeah it was just like it was, was bad yeah um i would say mine like my worst one was the uh, I had a student athlete with a arterial venous malformation in his brain. And the reason we found that out was because we were hosting our conference cross country meet. And this kid was like our top two. Like this kid was good. And when he finishes, like he never finishes great from his races. He's always pretty out of it, but he, he'll he come to after a while. And this day was no different. It was a little warmer, but it wasn't too hot. And, you know, he came across, he looked like he normally does. So I just pushed him towards the water table and like, I was going to go back to the shoot. And then as I was walking away, I heard my name and I turn and I see him getting ready to fall back. So I grab him and I lower him and then he just goes into a seizure. So a seizure probably lasted a little over a minute and it's the most helpless feeling because all you can do is just wait. I'm just like, all right, we're here just waiting for this to happen. And, you know, we get him, you know, into recovery. Um, He finishes his seizure and he's not coming to like he's not responding to his name. The only thing he would respond to is pain. So like if I really pinched him really hard, I can see him respond to it. Um, We had EMS on site, so we loaded him up. That took forever because they were also waiting for another rig to replace them. And like that was a whole fiasco. So he goes to the ER the kids never had a seizure, by the way. Like, this is totally random. ER diagnosed him with dehydration. Uh, okay. 
So we got them in that Monday to I see. I think they didn't even like. They didn't do. For, first time seizure. They no didn't scans, even do any scans. Nothing. They just said, oh, it was dehydration. That Monday, we got him into our team doctor. You know, he was looking at him. He's like, all right, well, let's get an MRI, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. And then that's when we found out he had a AVM. That that was wild. And he ended up having brain surgery. So and- within the week. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there was a lot of insurance stuff that was starting to come up, but it, it ended up working out. That kind of... Rem- Reminds me of two different things. Um, so I had, we were working, I'm going to work on a soccer game at the stadium and our player goes up to head the ball into the goal. The goalie goes up to block the ball and boom, head to head. And then like the goalie from the other team falls and starts having a seizure immediately. So it's like, oh man. Yeah. So that's one of the worst because I mean, he was seasoned for a long time. Like we had to call EMS and he was still um, having having a seizure, like he, he wouldn't let them uh, put an IV or anything in like that. And so like, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. That's the first time I've ever seen like a seizure from sports. You know, I've seen kids have seizures and, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you just sit there and wait and let, wait it out. But that was the first time I've ever seen that. And, you know, it's definitely something that, that sticks with you. And then um, just talking about like random stuff. I've had two femur fractures where, you know, it's almost, um, almost like non-contact. So one of them was a soccer player. She was dribbling the ball on her own. She just turned. And like I always say, it was just the right force at the right angle at the right time. And then the other one was a football player. He was like off the ball, like off the play. So it's not like he was a lineman being twisted or something like that. But, you know, the femur, femur fractures are you just, you feel that bone poking out on the, on the inside of the thigh or something like that. And you're like, all right, well, let's go ahead and call 911. Wow. Or just stay wow. right here. How, uh, how was the like pain? Cause I've heard it like fe- femoral fractures that like, that's pretty painful. Like how, how did they present like pain wise? And that's the crazy thing. Both of them were pretty chill oh, okay. as long as they were in a comfortable position. So, you know, more or less like the fetal position. But then when you go to straighten them out to, get them on the gurney or, you know, whatever it is. And that's when they're like, ah, so yeah, yeah. So the, the pain there is pretty intense from what I understand. Both of them had rods put in, you know, after words, wow. but it's, it's crazy because it just, it, you know, you think of a femur fracture as like a car yeah. accident, some, that kind of thing, or, and both of them were almost non-contact injuries. Wow, that's crazy. So. I don't think I saw my first fracture until I was certified, I think. I mean, except for the tibial plateau, but yeah, we didn't like actual fracture. I think I didn't see one until I was certified. Um, Were you solo? Mm-hmm. So you had to see it and deal with it on and your then, own. Well, for a while, I was like, because I didn't realize, and then I was working football, and I had a um, a metacarpal fracture. I think I think his hand got stepped on or something. Mm. And then I was like, hmm, I actually don't think I've ever seen a fracture. I'm going to send this kid for an x-ray because I think it's fractured. But I like have no like sense of I haven't seen one before. So I feel like at that moment I was like, oh, I feel like this is such a, like a common injury. Yeah. So my favorite fracture story is I had a hurdler 
you know, she was going over the hurdles and then she like, you know, fell and fell on her arm, you know, outstretched arm as she was falling. So I get called to the track. I, you know, run up there and I'm looking and like, there's really no real deformity, like maybe a small one, but you can be like, oh, maybe it's swelling. Like I was palpating to see like, hey, like, let's rule out fracture. And when I palpated, you know, the distal radius, her thumb, as I pushed down, would pop up each time I pushed down. But it didn't really hurt her. Like, she wasn't like, ah, like she was just like, oh, yeah, like it's uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, okay. well, this is weird. Let's just let's just send you for an x-ray just in case. And yeah, it it was pretty solid fracture. She needed surgery to, um, you know, approximate the end to reduce the end. So I was like, all right. We got uh, one from a listener. She said, uh, this is Amy S. She said, okay, I had a kid walk in saying, Mrs. Smith, a shark broke my ribs. Working on the coast at the time, sure enough, many athletes were avid surfers. So this one was no exception. I had him show me to see a crescent-shaped bruise where he was tail whipped by a spinner (sighs) shark that morning. Indeed, he had one rib broken and another hairline fracture. To make matters worse, when it knocked him off, the fin of his board sliced open his shin, requiring Ooh. 10 stitches to close. As soon as the stitches were out, he was back in the water. And he was a basketball athlete, so he was out for a few weeks. Luckily for him, it was off-season. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> a tail whip from a shark. Now, I mean, I've seen, you know, you hear about, you know, I got stepped on by a horse or that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys do that at, mm-hmm. at all because here in Texas... People tend to have horses. Um, so, you know, I've dealt with broken yeah. bones from horses or um, some some high schools here in Texas actually have rodeo. And have you guys ever been around rodeo? I've not yeah, really. Not, I mean, no, not like personally. I know people who work it. Right. But. Yeah, yeah. And so I had never been around it until I volunteered uh, with my friend Sean. And man, that's crazy stuff. And you just see those cowboys and just to think those kids are doing that in high school and the athletic trainers have to take care of them there. If you're doing athletic training in high school no, for rodeo, that that's pretty intense. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm good. I I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with football. You get to learn a lot. I mean, you learn a lot fast. That's true. I've heard it's like from the people that I know who have worked it have loved it and they said they've learned so much going through that experience. You know, speaking of ribs, actually, I did have one kid who's, um, he got hit, I want to say it was like probably a helmet to the ribs, and his ribs were unstable. Like, they, I put my hand on his rib, he would take a deep breath, and they would move, and then they'd come back, like when he would breathe out. That's brutal. Yeah. He was not in pain, Do you remember what the... Interesting. Yeah. What was the diagnosis? Was it like dislocated cartilage or? Um, he was not my athlete, so I had sent him immediately. I don't know. Um, I never saw that team again. I honestly don't even know if that team kept playing. That that team was it was their first. Um, it was bad. It was our homecoming game. It was the opposite team's first game, like at all, and they had only had maybe half the squad that we did maybe that's like being generous yeah and by halftime they had forfeited because they had too many injuries so like i spent way too i i spent way more time on their (laughs) sideline than i did on ours 
and by the by halftime they didn't have enough guys to play and we were playing eight-man football so like literally they didn't have that many guys that's tough yeah so then they i don't even know if they kept um they had guys who were just cleared that morning to play and they were like oh we have enough guys to play today it was it was nuts so we had a athlete break a rib and then end up having a, a collapsed lung later that night. He was in the hospital. Mm. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those really weird things because we had a doctor on the sidelines and he was like, you know, hey, you, you may want to send him to get x-rays or something like that. And he just, it seemed nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Um, And so for us, it was like, we got the phone call later that day, that night or the next morning. Hey, did you know that he had a collapsed lung? Like, no, I mean, we had the doctor look at him and he didn't say, oh yeah, hey, you need to get him in or anything like that. Because both me and the other athletic trainer were standing right there. Yeah. We're like, look, we didn't get that message from him, from the team doctor at all. And so, uh, I don't know. It's just another one of those things that you deal with, but you don't really, I wouldn't have known what to do if he wasn't there. The team doctor wasn't there. I wouldn't have said, oh, hey, that's a collapsed lung. Right. Yeah. Did that like change anything for you going forward? Like after that moment, like did you interact with your doc a little bit differently, or like did you try and like communicate a little bit more to see if he, you know, get more out of him after that? It, so I think I, I've changed a little bit. I'm, I'm maybe seeking more clarification. Like, hey, okay, so this is what we're gonna do, right? Right. So we're all we're on the same page, that kind of thing, rather than just like, oh, okay, well he said this okay. and we're good. And so making sure that I get the doctor to talk to the parent usually as well, it was something that may require uh, a visit, a doctor's visit. Just, hey, once you get your parents down here, we'll get the doctor down here. We'll just all talk, make sure we're on the same page. Whereas before it was like, oh, okay, yeah, he may have a, you may want to get an x-ray. All right, cool. <laughs> I'll tell his parents later. Yeah. Well, let's just let you talk to the parent. Maybe I'll be on the same page. And it makes a big difference whenever it's the, you know, the team doctor saying, Hey, I'm an orthopedic or I'm the doctor for this place, you know, bring him in tonight, take him to the hospital tonight or take him tomorrow to the Saturday injury clinic and that kind of thing. And it's definitely a learning experience because I guess no harm was done because it, you know, ended up being okay, but it was really a matter of think, you know, I'm glad I get to learn from the experience. 100%. Right. I had a kid last season, um, football who, came to me at the end of his game at the end of the game and he was like oh my finger um actually i honestly don't remember what was wrong with his finger i don't i don't even remember mechanism he was complaining about his finger and then i was like oh okay like nothing nothing bad enough that i and it was the end of the game like i wasn't going to do anything for him so i was like see me on monday so then i get a text this is saturday night i get a text from coach (laughs) sunday morning and he's like hey did you know this kid uh, had emergency surgery last night? And I was like, for his finger? And he's like, no, on his shin. And I was like, what? What? And he's like, yeah, he had compartment syndrome. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, really? And I was like, um, yeah, he came to me asking about his finger. Like, his finger was in pain, but he didn't say anything about his shin. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess after the game when they got off the, um, cause it was an away game after the game, um, they got off the, the bus and he was limping. And then coach was like, Hey, go see the AT. And I was sitting in the clinic, like cleaning up 
they all walked past my room um yeah and he never came never told me and then that morning i or i guess late that night i don't know if it was like midnight 1 a.m ish but yeah he said he was feeling like severe pain and so he went into the er and yeah so i was like not expecting that yeah no we weren't ready for that one so it's not really related to what you were saying but just something i was thinking about like is it's kind of cool stories talking about working in the secondary setting so probably in my second year um working in the high school we had this athlete you know he, he graduates well his sister is one of my student athletic training mm-hmm. aides uh you know two two three years later something like that and so now right now i have that student athlete's daughter which is you know my former student is her aunt so so working with me as a student athletic trainer aide so you know it's really cool for me being in the high school for 15 years to have you know a former athlete or i'm teaching his daughter just the relationships you get to build there and the memories you know because we have a bunch of pictures on our wall in the athletic training mm-hmm. facility and so she's like oh yeah there's my aunt you know and that kind of thing and um just this past christmas we had an uh, like an alumni christmas party and so she got to come up she's she's probably somewhere like in 26 years old mm-hmm. or something like that and you know i had a student who's th- who just turned 30 this year come back up and you know come to the christmas party hanging out just because the the connections you get to make working in the high school especially when you work for a long time i know you mentioned earlier the difference you get to make but me being at the same spot for so long it really it's really a cool experience yeah that's really cool and i'm sure like a part of that like building relationships is like the kids really you know trust you know their at you know they really trust you guys there and they really open up like i feel like some of the weirdest things because like all athletes say weird things but i feel like it's like some of these stories that we've been talking about are only from high school kids like there was the one who just comes in is like who got shark whipped. Yep. Um, this one. Uh, or the one who is like, uh, so if I have a second lung, would I be faster? <laughs> like, I feel like only like only a high school athlete would say something like that. We have this one. Sarah Y said a funny moment I had was when I was a senior in my AT program. I was working at a high school and one of my football players was sitting down and not practicing. I asked him why, and he said he couldn't practice because he injured his performance muscle. He meant his piriformis muscle. I had to keep a straight face, but I wanted to laugh so bad. I'm sure I have some of those stories as well. I just can't think of them <laughs> right off the top of my head. You know, as we were talking about in the beginning, I have three biological sons and then two foster daughters. And so sometimes I get the stories mixed up of <laughs> things that the, the kids say. It's like, wait, was this at school? But it's really funny to hear them explain stuff or, you know, if you guys are in the secondary school Facebook group or whatever, you see the, the post of, you know, can't make this stuff up. The kids say <laughs> stuff say, so I don't know. It's, that's always funny. Um, Armando R said at the high school level, one time I taped a player for shin splints. He didn't show up to the ATR for three days. And when he showed up on Thursday, I noticed that he still had his shin taped. I asked him if he had someone else tape him earlier that day. He replied with, remember when you taped me on Monday? Yes, like, like, come on, dude. How'd you forget? <laughs> Duh. That's funny. Hey, it must have worked. He must have liked that tape job. Seriously. Yeah. I've seen kids show up the day after a football game or something like that uh, with their ankles still taped before. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so gross. Did you not shower? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I- I've seen that stuff, too. That's brutal. Oh, that 
Oh, that probably smells so bad when you get it off or looks gross. And, <laughs> no, thanks. Ugh. But yeah, that's a good question. Like, did you not shower at any point <laughs> between then and now? And, you know, that's actually a, a legit thing. You know, I mean, if we have a Thursday night football game, you get home at 11 o'clock, they may just go fall in yeah. bed and, you know, just wake up. But some of them, you know, there's poverty. Yeah. Right. So it's a, it's a real situation you got to kind of consider. I'm telling you, Axe so. body spray in high school solves everything. That's what <laughs> that's what some of the kids think, too. They do. Yes. I was going to say, where I am, we have like athletic periods. So we have athletics during the day. And so you can always tell when it's athletic period because there's always a fresh wave of cologne or, you know, whatever it is, walking down the hallway. It's like, oh, well, at least it smells <laughs> decent for a little while. So. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of high school personalities, we got one from Izzy F. She said, yesterday after a 12 and a half hour day, I walked outside to go to my truck and I heard some of my baseball athletes talking, but I couldn't see them. I get in my truck and I look to my left. There are two senior athletes with Nerf guns hiding behind a car, <laughs> giggling. They ambushed their teammates in the parking lot as they all left the building. Everyone was laughing. It totally made my night. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> That's a, we That's had actually funny. some kids shooting Orbeez guns at each other the other day, but I would, that kind of ticked me off because they were shooting it into the athletic training room. So I was like, uh, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> oh. They made a big old mess in the hallway. But, but you know, <laughs> high school kids, you can't really be mad because like I probably would have done the same. And so, a hundred percent. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> So Taylor, I said, I never thought I would like the high school setting, but I love it. My athletes make me feel welcome as a newly certified AT, and it made all the difference. I love to get to know the athletes. Having a unique relationship with athletes allows for this. A lot of times they just need someone to listen. I look forward to seeing them every day. I also have a great relationship with all the coaches, so that makes my job so much easier. They truly trust me and my judgment. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I really like that she highlighted, because I feel like, I don't know if it's different in Texas, but I feel like here, a lot of people kind of discount the high school setting. And a or, lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to go. I, I don't want to be in the high school setting. I want to be in the college. I want to be in something else. But there are so many ATs who do go into the high school setting, like not wanting to, and then they end up loving it. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I, I did an internship with the Houston Texans, because I wanted to work in the NFL, mm -hmm. And then after that, that's when I really realized this is not what I want to do. I do want to work in the high school because, you know, for me at the NFL, it was a matter of you're kind of like a babysitter. I don't know, because I had to t drive them to the doctor. I had to, you know, you had to call and make their appointments. And it's like, mm -hmm. you're just like an errand boy almost like, well, hey, I need some cough medicine. Okay, well, Jeremy, go get it. Well, well in the secondary right. setting, you make a huge difference. You know, like I'm like I was just talking about the former student now his daughter is working with us you know and we, we don't have a whole lot of students that continue on to become athletic trainers but that's okay like if they continue on to do something or um, you know we teach CPR skills if they continue on to save somebody's life or whatever it is those relationships are really important and you know talking about the CPR mm -hmm. we we do something a really big event where we teach CPR to a whole entire grade level so like this year we taught like 700 sophomores, oh, nice. life-saving skills, CPR and stop the bleed and that kind of stuff. And I had a couple of former students, wow. student athletic trainer aides come back up and help, you know, whether that was teaching or um, taking pictures or videos for me. So 
the relationship is huge. Like right now I have a student with a long-term shoulder injury, uh, a high energy kid, not, um, a, a lot of talking. If you give him three sets of instructions or three things to do, he's going to do one of them and then come back and talk to you for five minutes. <laughs> Just go do all three. But it's a, it's about not about understanding that what that kid needs is just some, somebody to talk to somebody to listen to him, somebody to kind of be a friend. And so most of the time, since it's a slower time during the day, I'm, I'm there working out with them. Right. So I got, well, okay, well, Hey, we're going to do squats, pushups, deadlifts and this. All right. So, you know, then we're just alternating out or like on Fridays, he's been cleared to play basketball. So, you know, on Fridays we go play horse or one-on-one, that kind of thing. And so it really is about the relationships because it's easy enough for me to say, okay, well, you go do this and I'm going to stay in here and work, but being willing to get down onto that level, you know, like with my kids here at the house, being, being willing to lay on the floor and play with them or read a book. It's the same thing in the high school is being willing to, I'll show you how to do the dead bugs here. I'll do them with you here. Let's compete in this, right? Mm-hmm. Let's turn on the Xbox connect and I'll go side to side in the downhill slope or the Wii, whatever it is that you have available. So it's, the relationship is, is hugely important in the high school setting. You know, as, as I was talking last night to my wife and she's like, would you ever want to go to physical therapy clinic or become a physical therapist? I was like, you know, I don't think I would because you're in the clinic and you don't see, you don't have that daily interaction with people. You don't have those same relationship status that really makes it worth it for me. And in the high school, you really do because it's, you're really impressionable. Right. And like you're saying, you make a big difference for those kids. It, it's such like, I think you miss the whole entire job of athletic training in the secondary setting. If you don't get the relational piece. Right. Another one from Christine S. She says, as much as high schools are frustrating at times, I love the setting because of the diversity. And my main reason for being in the setting is to make an impact on these young kids and to be a mentor. I helped one get into college and he became a quote-unquote adopted son because his parents aren't in his life. We still talk and I support him when I can. It's clear we don't always get the thanks of gratitude in this profession, especially amongst high school students. But for me, if I can make an impact on one student each year, then I've done my job. Like I said, I helped encourage a student to apply to college and helped him figure out the process to play soccer there. He was the first one in his family to go, so no one knew about FAFSA or loans even. He's in his junior year now, and he's found others to help him along the way, but he will text me on Mother's Day to thank me. And that, to me, is everything. It is all about the connections that we make. Oh, that's awesome. Have y'all had anybody like that with y'all so far? I have had some not, like, that close. I've had a couple athletes who have come back and just messaged me, just, like, thanking me out of the blue, which is, like, you keep those you keep those forever yeah i've had i've had a couple like that you know i've had a few at different spots that i've been at um like what maybe a few weeks ago just randomly one of my former um cross country runners out of the blue just texted me saying you know thank you for like the environment that i created in the athletic training room like she was she was really going through some stuff at that time and like I knew she was having a tough time, but obviously I don't, I don't, I don't experience, you know, how tough of a time it is for you. I just know like, you know, she was struggling with some stuff and she said like, 
just coming in to the, because like she was having a real tough time with the team and she was like, just coming into the athletic training room. Like I was really happy to be there. And like, I felt good about my time in there. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. To have someone from that far back. Cause a lot of times I, I usually, um, I usually at the end of the year or something like a lot of the athletes will say like, you know, thank you for everything. And like, so that, yeah, that one I think was the, one of the first ones that like it's reached out from a former athlete. I think my closest athlete is one who at the college setting, actually, I thought she, well, she did have two torn quads um, at the same time, like just a very passionate athlete. She could tell she wanted to be back on the field. She um, spent so much time in the athletic training clinic. Um, I worked with her through a lot of like mental health stuff and, um, one of my best friends and mentors also, we had worked really closely together with her and she is also just so thankful. And we were actually supposed to go to dinner like a, a week or two ago. So we have to go back and that'll be exciting to go see her again. Yeah. Cause she, as much as like I saw her through her transition, like she also saw me through a transition of changing jobs. And mm-hmm. so I think that that was really rewarding. Yeah. We have another one from Whitney C. She said, when it comes to high school, I like the flexibility to work and have a family in the future. The flexibility I have is, of course, my weekends. I rarely have games. I have an ability to work in the afternoons. And when I have to come to come late or to doctor's appointment, they're understandable if there's no one there for coverage for practice out of the week. I have at least one month off during the summer as well as federal holidays off. Pretty much a traditional school schedule. I am able to still teach full-time and stay current in my practice part-time. I believe as a teacher, I should stay current with the modern practices so I'm able to keep my students informed with the practice. Like that saying, teach what you preach. Uh, my favorite moment while working high school is mentoring student-athletes. Mentoring is something that fell in my lap, and I didn't think that it would happen. Using my experience not only as a former student-athlete, but now using my athletic training education to tell my athletes how to stay healthy and that their mental health is so important than... Um, they're playing their sport. So I feel like uh, we've kind of alluded to this and I think uh, uh, Jeremy's kind of answered it, but what has been the most re- rewarding aspect of working in the secondary school setting for you? Making all the money. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. uh, no, I, I think it's, it's easily the relationships, you know, just, Last week, I went and bought some new Crocs because my student works at a department store and said, hey, if you ever need anything, come up and let me know. So I just, all right, well, I'm coming up this day. So, you know, give me the employee discount and that kind of thing. So it's not about getting like the stuff, but it's about him saying, hey, I want you to come visit me at work. You know, I want to help you out. I want to take care of you, that kind of thing. Or um, a, a former student athlete, like her and her husband and her kid come over to our house pretty regularly just because of the relationship we built and those kind of things are, are definitely the best part of it. You know, like y'all, y'all mentioned so many funny random stories and you see that. And, um, you know, I talked about one of the femur fractures, Well, we had just gotten blood flow restriction this year and seeing that kid who is actually related to a former student athletic trainer of mine that just turned 30. Right. And so, you know, just seeing the connection, with him getting back and he's like, Hey, I went to a family reunion and I saw uh, Jessica and she 
said that she used to work with you. And then like he saw his, her picture on the wall and that kind of thing. And so then just messaging back and forth on Facebook with my former student athletic trainer and talking about those things, just being, being connected, being part of their lives, um, knowing that you positively influenced impact their life and not just help them play their sport better, but you know, you positively impact their lives. That's definitely, um, a really rewarding thing for working in the secondary setting. And like I said, I've, uh, for as far as working in the college and you know, I've seen, I've seen that, you know, you have to travel with the team. And so for me, I have five kids at home. Anytime I stay away, anytime I'm away from home at night is really difficult. So that kind of thing, being, being able to be here and it's not as, I don't know, the schedule, like Whitney just said, isn't really like I'm free on the weekends. We have a lot of weekend stuff, but it sounds like hers is kind of like a, she gets paid hourly to work at after. I'm not quite sure, but you know, my job is athletic training, not a teacher. I'm a teach, you know, and so the schedule usually gets good. You know, like I was talking to you guys beforehand, this, the summer road trip we're planning while my kids are off, I'm off all summer. So that's a really good benefit, but those things are good, but definitely the reason I, I like staying, I think so much is the connections and interactions with the kids. Um, actually speaking of that, since you are a parent, how does that affect you working with the parents of the athletes, like for better or for worse? We have three parent stories that are unfortunately not so good. Um, <laughs> but I want to know your experience working with parents of high school athletes. Uh, well, it's definitely changed as I've gotten older where I now have kids and thinking, how would I want somebody to treat my kids? Um, I've had some interactions with parents where like, oh, well, you know, I'm a medical professional and this and this and this. I'm like, okay, well, hey, it's your kid. You know, this is, there's a reason I'm paid to do this job. There's a reason I've been here for 15 years because I'm pretty good at it, but it's your kid. You you do what mm-hmm. you feel like you have to do for your kid, um, but understand that I'm not going to allow him to play unless there's a doctor's note, that kind of thing. Um, and so it, it's really just a matter right. of you have to be confident in yourself. You have to be comfortable with, with who you are and in your decision, but also be willing to not, uh, not battle, not fight that battle unless there's, you know, it's a life or death situation type thing. So I've had good parent interactions and not good parent interactions. Yeah, I feel like we probably, I mean, these are our final three stories for the episode. I think we probably didn't get as many good parent interactions because it's kind of. And I feel like the bad parent interactions are the ones that stand out in memory compared to, to, because there are great parents to work with. You know, there are definitely parents that have been awesome. Like even like, again, like I don't have a lot of secondary school setting experience. So in the collegiate setting, I don't necessarily have to deal with parents, even though I tend to, for some reason, you do, you do. but like, I do. but like, well, when I was w- working track, like track meets are open. Like there's not like a barrier between the parents and student athletes. Like people are just roaming all over the place. So I've gotten to know some of my parent, you know, my student athletes, parents pretty well. And I've never had an issue. Like they've always been really great. Like, one of them, um, like her son, like it wasn't always hurt, but like something was always kind of going on. And like she would come up and I just let let her know, like, yeah, he's doing OK. 
And like, we've kind of built a really cool relationship where, you know, every time after that, like I'd see her at a meet, I'd be like, hello. And like, she'd say hi and always said, thank you. And like, it's, it's pretty cool. That's one thing I got to say when I was working at the private high school, um, it was because I was working with eight man football. It was, it was a small team. Um, it was a really, I want to say they all, it was already like a family atmosphere. Um, like just all the parents of the, um, I mean, the school itself was really small. So, um, I think not just athletics, but I think just the entire school themselves just had a very private or like a very family oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, so like when I started working there, like they really brought me in. And so I got to know a lot of the parents and they, and, um, even though they hadn't had a consistent athletic trainer before, I feel like they, um, especially like when they, they invited me to their banquet and my boss was actually like, they invited you to their (laughs) banquet. Like what? Um, but yeah, the, the parents really, I, I loved them. They, um, knew who I was. They would always like see me running out in the field and be like, Oh, you're getting your exercise in today. They're keeping you busy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like super sweet. Um, so I actually didn't have too many bad parent interactions. Actually, I think there I didn't have any negative, but I have had some. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we, we have, uh, youth football. We're not even going to go there. (laughs) Um, so we had someone who said, Chris H, he said, I was still in undergrad. A kid tore his ACL in July. He had surgery in August. September was still lacking range of motion. October, he was trying to practice and dad told us his PT had a brace to prevent ACL tears. He even yelled at my preceptor and team doc saying we were hurting his kid from getting a college scholarship because we wouldn't let him play. Our athletic director got involved. The kid was obviously not allowed to play. We heard he was playing rugby outside of school somewhere, but couldn't do much about that. His dad even took his son to get a doctor's clearance, but went to an urgent care and didn't mention the ACL surgery. It was a mess. Nice. Classy. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a whole lot of that. Like, uh, like I said, a lot of parent involvement or people playing, oh, my kid. I mean, I, I do some club volleyball tournaments. And so with club volleyball, you know, all of them, they play club volleyball so you can get a scholarship that's the only way to get a scholarship right so i've dealt with some of that there but you know I, i've definitely had some positive interactions as well um you know i really love whenever you have a student athlete come in and they're really good like here in texas we say yes sir no sir yes ma'am that kind of thing <clears throat> and so this student she would come in and yes sir mm-hmm. no sir answering questions so then her mom came in uh, and i was like hey i just want to make sure i tell you you know she was really polite and kind and and not just that, but she like would also ask, how are you doing today? And that's a little uncommon for student athletes. So definitely, I've definitely had plenty of positive interactions too. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we have another one from Marissa S. She said, my worst parent interactions are with concussions. We have a state mandated five day return to play and a whole packet to fill out. Parents think that if they take their kid to a doctor and get a paper that they're cleared that they get to play. But no matter what, I have to document five symptom-free days of graduated activity before they are cleared. One specific incident, both of the kids' parents came to the school to tell me it's their kid, so they have final say. And I had to explain to them that as the medical professional who is liable for their child's safety in sports, that it wasn't their decision and the coaches won't let their kid play until I clear them anyway. The mom was so angry and yelling at me and left, and the dad stayed a little longer and calmed down 
when I told him all of the risks playing with a concussion. I will never understand risking your child's safety for a regular season JV game. (laughs) I had a parent who, as I was doing a scat five, was standing behind the kid and basically berating me for using a scat five and saying that it was um, not useful for concussions and that it was like that's the not not the right way to diagnose a concussion and that it's it's useless piece of paper and so I had I just asked him to leave I was like I can't have you standing here while I'm while I'm evaluating this thanks guy why why don't you pull out your uh, your desktop for me and we'll get the impact going all right yeah (laughs) so in that situation were you solo on the sidelines Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I had uh, Randy, so but he was one of the things not allowed to work. Yeah, I got in trouble. Right. right. <laughs> I definitely understand that. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the things that we've started doing with situations like that is you just take them to the locker room, you know, or like you don't do the evaluation on the sidelines. Like, hey, hey, let's walk over into the athletic training room. You know, let's walk out into the hallway, and so then it takes that that aspect away and reduces the energy and the excitement and. Yeah, it just gives you that little bit of separation, allows you a chance to work. But, like, I don't think I've ever had a parent yell at me like that in the high school setting. <laughs> in the club volleyball setting, I've I've seen parents do that. Uh, of course, of course. Volleyball, that's interesting. I could see it. I mean, I was also, like, probably not even three months certified at the time. It was youth football. Yeah. And... um yeah, it was, I was the only one. It was a contract event, so mm-hmm. I just, like, picked it up over the weekend. Yeah, like, club sports, man, it's a, it's a crapshoot. It could, you get, yeah, you see so many different, like, you can get those parents. You can also get on the flip side of having really good parents. Like, it's all conglomerated into that one event especially because there's like so many courts going on like for i know for like some club volleyball like they'll have many courts going like the event you worked or like basketball like aau basketball so many courts are going so there's so many people like you can get a, a good mix and match of good and bad so we have one final story we had this one's anonymous this person said i'll preface this story i worked in a very poor community and a lot of my athletes didn't have any parent involvement at all they are usually raised by their older brothers, sisters, or grandma. I had a girls basketball player tear her ACL, MCL, and meniscus. She went to an ortho and surgeon that I took her to, and they agreed upon a date of surgery. When the mom decided that she finally wanted to be a mom, she said, there's no way my daughter did all this and that your doctors are wrong. So she took her to another doctor at a hospital an hour away to get new imaging, x-ray, MRI, and they said the exact same thing that our docs did. The daughter's surgery got delayed by a month because of that, and then the mom didn't even show up to her surgery. Only myself and her grandma were there for her after she woke up from her surgery. Oh, intense. Yeah. You know, just just this week, I had a long discussion with one of my student athletic trainer aides about foster care, you know, and just about how Mm -hmm. do parents do that? How do they make that choice to not take care of their kid? And, you know, you never know the situation and you know a lot of people in foster care continue the cycle you know if if i was in foster care then i'm going to end up having kids and they're going to be end up being in foster care you know a lot of times it it goes that way i just can't 
I can't imagine as a parent, um, not taking care of my kid like that. And we've, we've had some frustrating stories like, well, who's going to pay this bill? I don't know. Or some frustrating stories where it's like, well, I don't think that's right. Okay, that's fine. It's go to the doctor and get to see, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to let the kid play until we have a doctor's note from a orthopedic doctor saying that it's not torn, that kind of thing. And this is in the best interest of the kid. So that's just tough. Yeah. Real tough. Mm-hmm. I feel like now I, I don't, I haven't dealt with any parents um, recently, but I feel like now I'm just mostly dealing with the athletes themselves. And yeah. usually if it's something like that, I, I, I sometimes feel like I have to protect the, I have to protect you from you. Yeah. I know it's hard to see right now, but this is, this is in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And I think too, a lot of times it comes down to, um, like that setting that you're in, because like a lot of times, like the high school, like they're trying to get to their college program or like in the JUCO, they're trying to get to that next, you know, where are they going to transfer? So I feel like they put that pressure on themselves. Like, Oh, I need to do this in order to, I need to get my scholarship or I need to get looked at, you know? So there's a lot of pressure there as well. Do either of you have any other stories to wrap us up? No, I don't, I don't think I have anything that just jumps out at me like a shark tail or something. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, Jeremy, if what advice do you have to any of the young ATs who are either thinking like, yes, I want to be in the secondary school setting, or maybe they don't know they want to be, but that might be their first job. What advice do you have to them? I think the, the, the biggest things would be one, don't lose your cool. Like know that you're the medical professional. You don't have to prove it. Just know that you are right. And just, be consistent with that. You don't have to yell and scream at the coach. No, I'm the athletic trainer. Well, that's great. You're you're not winning anybody like that. Just this is the way it is, coach. This is this is what we have to do, right? If you can show me your medical license, we can, you know, go with your opinion. But just if you can keep cool there. And then um I would say also, as we mentioned so many times, the relationships. You know, if you invest in the kids, build those relationships, they'll you know, vouch for you and they'll, they'll have your back and those kind of things. But then also the relationships with your coworkers, you know, whenever the coaches come in, Hey, can I use the stretch or Hey, can I use the massage gun or the boots and those kind of things? And they, when they feel comfortable coming in and trusting you, then it, it just makes the environment more, more fun. Kind of like Sandy was saying where they felt like a family. Um, and then lastly, make sure it's a healthy environment. Some places are not some, there's a reason that some places have a different athletic trainer every year because it's not a healthy environment and you don't, don't get stuck in somewhere that is unhealthy, but know that sometimes you're just going to have to work to get better. So you're, you're going to have to put in the work to improve it. Um, you know, I've been there 15 years at Pasadena high school and we just now got to where our facilities are improved and that kind of thing. And, and it's just a matter of building those relationships, taking the time, asking the right questions at the right time or asking the same question enough different ways to get somebody to say yes. So not everything is going to be, you know, cream of the crop when you start, but if it's not toxic, then, you know, work on building it. I like it. I like, I like that last one. I really like that last one. Thank you so much, Jeremy. 
Yeah, we appreciate it. Sure, sure thing. Randy, after this, would you want to go back to the high school setting? Actually, you've never been, but... One of my rotations. (laughs) Would you want to be a high school athletic trainer? So every time we do these episodes, (laughs) I always get like, oh, that's really cool. That'd be really cool to do. But no, I'm happy where I'm at. I I have a lot of respect for the secondary school athletic trainer because there's a lot to balance between just between parents and the student athletes, let alone a million sports plus football. And, you know, depending on where you're at, you're probably the only one who has to do all that. So unless you're in Texas, unless you're in Texas. But yeah, no, I'm I'm happy where I'm at, but I definitely have a lot of respect for the high school AT. And, you know, some states have the middle school AT. Oh, yeah. I didn't so, even think about that. No, I definitely a lot of respect. And it is really cool to hear, you know, the experiences and, you know, building those relationships. And that is one you know, really cool features. You actually get to see a lot of these kids develop from when they were a freshman to all of a sudden four years later, you know, as scary as it might be, they're going to be in college. (laughs) Right. There's such a big impact that you make as a high school athletic trainer. Oh, hundred percent. So without further ado, um, some of our fine print. So if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was a story episode. Next week, we're going back to our education and we have an interview with a PA. Yes. If this story episode reminds you of stories and you would like to contribute either to um, something about these stories or to a future story episode, head over to our Instagram where we post upcoming story episodes and then have, head over to our Facebook group where you can either post stories that this reminded you of, network with other clinicians, other listeners of the show, et cetera, et cetera. That's facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast. You got anything else, Randy? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. Bye.